Ephesians 6, verse 10. Probably some place that you've been many times in your Bible. And let's begin reading there and we'll read and then we'll come back and get out of it what the Holy Spirit wants us to have. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to be looking tonight in Ephesians here. And, uh, and, and God wants to impart to you a lifestyle. He wants your lifestyle to be found in these scriptures right here. And he wants to, he, God is preparing us and, and uh, he's uh, strengthening us and if you would, establishing us in things that will make us victorious in life. Things that will put us over and cause us to be more than conquerors. We're always supposed to triumph in Christ Jesus. Amen? Praise God. We're not ever supposed to lose. And uh, so he begins there in verse 10, and of course he's talking to the brethren. We know that. We notice that first of all. And he says, be strong in the Lord. I was been meditating on being strong in the Lord. I want to tell you something, family. You want, you, know, you want me to know when you're the strongest in the Lord? You're strongest in the Lord when you come to the conclusion that you're not strong at all in yourself. As long as you think that there's anything in you, you're not very strong. You may think you're tough. You know, the world thinks they're tough. They think they're macho or whatever. Well, we were standing behind a man in the driver's license office the other day. It was funny. I mean, it was funny. I mean, it wasn't funny, but it was funny. And he was just bragging to this driver's license lady. He, I mean, he didn't have a driver's license anymore. They took it away from him because somebody threw a beer bottle at his little girl and he run them off the road. And he was, he, he was telling all about this. See, sometimes the world thinks they're pretty tough. But if we're not careful, that same old spirit that's in the world get in us and we, kinda, and we think we're tough. And until we find out we're not, except in the Lord. We're so strong in the Lord. Family, you are so strong in the Lord. In yourself, you're not very strong. But in the Lord, you are so strong. In Isaiah 40, 29, it says that He gives power to the faint. So your head may tell you, boy, I'm about to faint. Man, I am weak. I, you know, your head may tell you you're not strong. Even if you're in a trial, especially what we're going to be talking about tonight is how to deal with trials. And if you're in a trial, your head tells you, man, you're not up to this. This isn't a good time. Did you ever feel like, boy, this is a good time for a fight with the devil? This is a good time for a trial to come because I am strong in the Lord. No, you never really feel up to that, do you? Huh? <laughs> but the Bible says He gives power to the faint. He gives power to the faint. And I like this in, in Isaiah 27.5. It says, let him take hold of my strength. 
Let Him take hold of my strength. And I've had to remind myself of that. And you have to remind yourself because if you don't, you'll walk along and you'll think, man, I, I, I'm losing it here. I, I'm not, I'm not more, I don't feel like more than a conqueror here. I, I'm, I'm not very victorious here. But at those times, we need to say out loud, Lord, I just take hold of Your strength. Lord, I just reach up and I just take hold of Your strength. And I tell you what, when we take hold of His strength, we are unbeatable. We are unstoppable. Did you know in yourself you're no match for the devil? In yourself, if you fight with the devil with carnal weapons, which is the kind of weapons he has, but you use the same weapons he has, you won't win. Christians are defeated every day in this world by the devil because you won't win if you fight with his weapons. But if you'll take hold of God's strength, he's no match for God's strength. He is no match for God. Hallelujah. This is good news. In, uh, in Hebrews 11 verse 34, let's look at that. I, I just found this scripture this week and I was very interested. I've been looking at a lot of the scriptures in the New Testament <clears throat> that talk about having things through faith. What we get from the Lord, family, we get through faith. And we don't get them any other way. We don't get them because we did good that week. We don't get them, like Pastor said, because we're faithful church attenders. Amen? We don't even get them because we tithe. We don't get them because we teach Sunday school classes. We don't get them because we witness. But we get the things that we get from the Lord, we get them through faith. And I, I was amazed at how many times in the New Testament it says something about through faith. Like for instance here in Hebrews 11 and verse 34, it says, quench the uh, it's talking about faith here. This is the faith chapter, you realize. And it says up there in verse 31, by faith... Uh, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I more say? And he begins to list some other people that did some things through faith. And then when he gets down to verse 34, he says, They quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and out of weakness were made strong. All of that, they got, that, they got strong in their weakness by how? By faith. Through faith. Just by reaching up and taking hold of His strength. Amen? Amen. Now I want you to look over in uh, Philippians. Find Philippians. And I'm not sure what Scripture yet, but when we get there, I'll tell you. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to have to come back to that because it's just it's, it's missing me here. And it's one of those things that will be right there under my nose next time I look. But uh, anyway... We're, it's through faith that we get the things that we get from God. Now, we'll go back to Ephesians. Holy Ghost leading us here. I won't get off. It says, Be strong, finally my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So you're not ever going to be stronger than when you're in the power of His might and not in your own might. Amen? And that's the first thing you need to remember is you need to to determine that you're going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And then he says to do something. He says, put on the whole armor of God. And he says there to that, you know, that you put this armor on that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And I want to look at that just for a second. It says, the whole armor of God, to put it on. And whole means entire or complete. So it has to be possible that we could be Christians standing there in incomplete armor. 
Amen? But he says to put on the whole armor of God. And he says that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the, de of the devil. Now, this should be a strong indication to us that we're going to have to stand against something. Amen? God has destined you to be victorious. But you are going to have to stand against something in order to be victorious. The word wiles there, I looked that up in the dictionary this afternoon. And uh, actually I've been thinking about this all week, but I looked this up and it says, a wile is a trick to deceive or subtle trickery. A wile is a trick to deceive. Now this is important that you know that it's a trick to deceive. Because that means that when you get in a battle, listen to this, when you get in a battle... What you see is just a trick. What you see is not truth. In other words, the symptoms that are coming against your body, they're just a trick to deceive. They're not real truth. Amen? It's a trick to deceive. Satan baits, baits you. He baits you because he and he tries to get you to confess something. He tries to get you to get your to line your words up with what you're seeing and what you're feeling and what you're thinking. Amen. And he comes against you, but what you those things are a trick to deceive. Satan doesn't have any power in the earth except what we give him with our mouth. Because Jesus, the Colossians says, spoiled principalities and powers. That He made a show of them openly. That He triumphed over them in it. He's made a show of them. He's defeated them. And they know they're defeated. But so they work by trickery and by deceiving. Amen? Praise God. So when they tell you, at the, when you hear rumors at the job that they're going to have a layoff, it's a trick to deceive. Not that I'm not telling you that it's not real that they may not lay off people, but what I'm telling you is, is that it doesn't have to affect you. It's a trick to deceive that it has to affect you. Amen? Do y'all see what I'm talking about here? I mean, you've got you to see this with spirit eyes. You've got to see this with the eyes of your spirit that, that what the bad report that you have received is a trick to deceive. And it's not really yours until you buy into it with your words. It's not really yours until you buy into it. Now when you take it on with your words, then you put into operation Mark 11, 23 and 24. You begin to believe in your heart and you begin to say with your mouth. See, a lot of people don't believe that Mark 11, 23 and 24 really work. But the fact is that they're working it every day in the negative. They're believing in some negative report in their heart and they're saying it with their mouth and they're saying, boy, our life is a mess. Oh, I tell you, our finances are a mess. I mean, we, you know, I'm telling you, we're going under. We'll, I don't know how we'll ever make it. And they are actually working a Mark 11, 23 and 24 and they don't know they are. And if they would reverse that and they would begin to believe the good report in their heart and say the good report with their mouth, they would see it work in the other direction. But you know why it's easier to work it in the negative? The reason it's easier to work it in the negative is because that's what you've been hearing since the day of your birth. Now, you know these kids that are getting born in this church, we've had a lot of babies born in this church. Family, there's the, they are a 
possibility. They're a promise. They're a possibility of someone born into the spirit of faith that knows how to mark, work Mark 11.23 from the first time that the, a word is able to come out of their mouth. I'm telling you what, there is a new, there's a new crop on the horizon. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. See, we've been programmed and that's why you've come tonight. You've come to be unprogrammed. You've came to have the washing of the water of the Word. You've came to have your mind renewed. Amen? You've become to be set free from that old way of thinking. Hallelujah. That's right. And so you're going to be, you're going to be. So, so he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then he goes on to say, verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now that word wrestle means struggle. I, I, I want you to know that when you're, it's not even a fight. When the enemy brings the bad report against you, it's not a fight. It's just a wrestling. A wrestling is less than a fight. It is, there is a wrestling that we do. But it is not a fight. Because Jesus already won the fight. But there is a wrestling. Amen? But, and here it says that when you wrestle, you aren't wrestling against flesh and blood. See, sometimes we can get off track because we make man our enemy. We get mad at the boss at work. You know, we get mad at the company and their policies. Right? Sometimes we even uh, we forget when, we, when sickness attacks our body, we begin to think we're wrestling against our flesh, our own flesh. But our family, not only is your fight not against me or against your boss or your fight's not against another person, your fight's not against you. You don't wrestle against yourself. You're, wrestling, you're not wrestling with flesh and blood. You're wrestling here, it says, with... Uh, prince, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. How many of you have read the book by Brother Kenneth E. Hagin called I Believe in Visions? Read that probably might have been a while ago for some of you. You might ought to read that again. Uh, I was reading in that and I was just remembering something and so I got it out when I was preparing this message. And in that book, I Believe in Visions, what he actually does is he relates the visions that, God, that Jesus, when the times that Jesus has appeared to him. Now, Brother Kenneth E. Hagin is the foremost prophet in our nation. Or in the world, actually. And uh, he's trustworthy. He's had how many years in ministry? They celebrated how many? 65 years in ministry. Well, he's 80 years old and he started ministering, preaching when he was 17. So it's actually not 65. It's whatever, 80 minus 17. It's 63. He's had 63 years in ministry. And family, he's credible. I mean, you can't find any scum on him. You can't find... He's credible. And we ought to... The Bible says that if we believe the prophets, we will receive a prophet's reward. Amen? And I'm telling you, when Brother Hagin says it, I believe it. Now, of course, I, don't, I, I balance it with the Word of God, but I've never heard him say anything that wasn't with the Word of God. And so, I say all that to say this. In his third vision that he had with, of Jesus, he was in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, and he had his third vision, uh, and Jesus appeared to him, and Jesus told him, he said, I'm going to show you how the powers of, uh, how the uh, demons operate. I'm going to teach you how demons operate. And he told him that there were uh, four levels of demons, which lines up with this right here, 
of demon spirits, that there were principalities and there were powers and there was the rulers of the darkness of this world and there was spiritual wickedness in high places and that they are in rank in that order. In other words, the weakest are uh, principalities, the second weakest is powers, and the third is the rulers of the darkness of this world. And that's what he told him. And, and the rulers of the darkness of this world, he said, are in uh, literally influence and control the lives of every person in this world that is not born again. The rulers of the darkness of this world influence them and control them. Now, that explains why people who don't mean to do bad things do bad things when they never meant to. Y'all ever heard of somebody not meaning to do something bad and they did something bad? Well, I mean, we had a man, this was a nationally thing, we had to watch this on TV for a bunch of months, where a man that said he dearly loved his wife. And you know what? I believe him. <laughs> Is this an <laughs> epidemic? <laughs> it jumped from that row. <laughs> it's jumping rows now. But do y'all y'all know what I'm talking about? A man that said, I loved her. I, I, and, and you know, I don't believe he meant to kill her, wanted to kill her. You know, I believe the man really loved her. And of course, one court said he didn't, he was not guilty, and one court said he was guilty. But if he was guilty of killing her, he killed her loving her. Now, why did he do that? Because of uh, this right here, the, the rulers of the darkness of this world rulers of darkness of this world. And then in Brother Hagen, I'll go on to tell this, because there's one after that, the rulers of the darkness of this world. If you look there in your Bible, then there's spiritual wickedness in high places. And Brother Hagen asked Jesus, said, well, Jesus, you didn't talk to me about the spiritual wickedness in high places. And Jesus told him, said, you deal with the first three and I'll take care of the last one. Actually, that word high places, if you look in your margin, it says heavenly. And he said, I'll take care of the ones in the heavenly, you take care of the others. Amen? And you know, that goes along with what Pastor's preaching us this morning, that we have the authority, we're going to have to take charge of these other three. Amen? And to do that, God's telling us here, first of all, you need to put on the whole armor. Because here's what you're going to be dealing with in this world. You're not just dealing with people. He said, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You're not just dealing with people. I don't know, family, if you've got teenagers that are rebellious, you're not dealing with just flesh and blood teenagers. There's powers and principalities that are coming against them, influencing them, working against them. Amen? That's how, that, that's true. That's true. I want to tell you, when you have a struggle at your job, you're not just dealing with people. You know, I think it was Tim that told me that somebody at work's just mad at him because he's happy. I mean, they are just mad because he's happy. Literally, verbally saying, I don't like you being so happy. Family, that is not flesh and blood. That is powers and principalities. Amen? That's what he's wrestling with there. And the troubles you're having, you know, that's the, the, the things that are, the, the, your finances that have been stolen, that's powers and principalities. Amen? Praise God. This is really good news because we're going to tell you how to take care of that. Amen? And you know, it gets it into perspective when we get there. I mean, it enables us to walk in the love walk with people. Amen? And faith worketh by love. And if there's anything we need to be doing if we want our faith to work is we need to be walking in love. And this helps me walk in love. When I realize, hey, it's not them, it's powers and principalities 
and rulers of darkness. Amen? And so you're going to have to put on the whole armor of God and you're going to have to deal with these things. Amen? You're going to have to get suited up, so to speak. And you're going to have to go in there and you're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to put on your combat gear and go in there and deal with it. Amen? And I don't, I'm not talking about spiritual warfare here. I, got, and I felt everybody on the front row laughing, you know. No, we don't. Let me clarify there because there has been flaky doctrine that went around the United States where people were literally putting on fatigues and, uh, uh, you know, things that had to do with, uh, you know, army-looking garb and, and, and going to prayer. Well, family... That's not, the kind of, that's not the kind of combat suit that I'm talking about here. What we put on is in the spiritual realm. Amen? We don't have to get dressed up. Now, this is you think that I'm just kidding, but this has truly happened in the United States. And that's not the kind of warfare God's called us to. You know, there's been people, and this is flaky, getting up and going up into written 747s, leasing them, I guess, and flying up over, you know, to do warfare in the heavenlies. Family, Jesus didn't go up and do warfare in the heavenlies. And besides all that, he told Brother Hagin he was going to take care of the ones in the heavenlies. Amen? Praise God. And that's weird. That's just plum flaky. Hallelujah. We need to stick with the Bible. Amen? And so he said we don't wrestle against those flesh and blood. And then he tells us what to do in verse 13. He says um, to put on the whole armor. Now this is the second time here. In verse 13 he says whole armor. And in verse 11 he said whole armor too. I want you to make note that that's two times he said for you to put on the whole armor. And he said to do that in order that you may be able to withstand. Amen. In the evil day and having done all to stand. He tells us to stand but he tells us to withstand. That means, the word withstand means to oppose successfully. I looked this up in the dictionary. To withstand means to oppose successfully. God never intended for you to have failures. He never intended for some of your battles with the devil or some of your struggles or wrestling with the devils, some of them you lose. He never intended for you to, well, we lost the battle, but we've won the war. You know what? That's not in God's plan. He said that you may be able to withstand. Now, I, the Holy Ghost said this to me, that withstand means that you might be able to stand longer than. See, you have to outlast him. You've got to stand longer than the devil. And the temptation is for us to grow weary and to faint in our mind. I, any, any of you ever been tempted? To grow weary and to faint in your mind. Oh, boy, this <laughs> drink this whole class. And <laughs> if you want to drink in church, well, then just start hiccuping it and I'll bring you one. <laughs> no, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. So we're supposed to withstand. We're supposed to stand longer than. You're supposed to outlast Him. And you're going to have to be strong in some things to do that. And I'll tell you how to get strong here, okay? So wherefore, take unto you, we're in verse 13, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. I want to talk about the evil day just for a minute. Now what is the evil day? Some people would say, well, the world we live in, they're all evil. 
But I feel like the implication is here that that there are, he said that you may be able to stand every day. He really didn't say that. He said that you might be able to stand in the evil day. The evil day is the day of the bad report or the day of attack. And you know, family, those, are, those bad reports are coming because we're in this world. You're going to hear of wars. You're going to hear of rumors of war. Amen? You're going to hear of things. You're going to hear of epidemics. You're going to see the bad, you're going to see bad things. Psalm 91 says that only with my eyes will I behold the reward of the wicked. But you know, with our eyes, we do behold the reward of the wicked. Any of you ever seen a car wreck? You weren't supposed to be in it. You were not supposed to be in it. That's the reward of the wicked. Cancer is the reward of the wicked. You're not supposed to have it. Amen? That's really true. Disease of every kind is the reward of the wicked. Even the flu. You, you, you're not even supposed to have the little ones. Sometimes we, we, we will, we'll take a cold. Even my little grandfather. I mean, well, I shouldn't say that. But, you know, no, I, I can't say that. But he looks forward to his first cold of the season. He really does. Of course, I mean, you know, he's older and he hasn't... He, he, I don't... We need to... When he was growing up in church, the revelation that we have was not in the earth in that time. Do y'all understand that? And so, you know, we're not putting him down or, you know, we love him and he's walked godly in Christ Jesus. But he wasn't privy to the same information in his younger years that we've been privy to. Because revelation has been poured out concerning faith and concerning the Word of God. Hallelujah. But truthfully, he does. He talks about it and looks forward to his first cold every year. See, sometimes we'll settle for the little things. I don't know if any of you ever have kind of enjoyed being sick. You know, not big sick, but little sick. Well, you know, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. You know, I wouldn't mind. You know, listen, sickness was rewarding when I was growing up. It really was. My daddy would go down to the drugstore. And he would buy me six or seven new comic books. There were 12 cents a piece then, back in the, those days. Y'all remember when comic books were 12 cents? And they were really comic books then. They weren't wicked things like they are now. I mean, they were Dennis the Menace and Beetle Bailey and things like that. You know what I mean? And he would buy me comic books. And my mama would fix tapioca pudding, and she would fix uh, potato soup. And you know, I, it was just about five years ago where it dawned on me you could have potato soup without being sick. I mean, really, I didn't think you could have it unless you were sick. She never fixed it unless we were sick. And I really liked tapioca pudding, and I really liked potato soup. And it dawned on me one day, I don't have to be sick to fix it. See, it was nearly, you were rewarded in my family for being sick. Now, Michael's family was totally opposite. Michael's dad had no sympathy for anybody. His favorite saying was, I've had worse than that on my eyeball and never blinked an eye. I mean, you've got no sympathy whatsoever. And you know, that's kind of strange because my mom was running me to the doctor all the time. I was an only child, and we didn't have any revelation concerning healing. Y'all understand. I wasn't even raised in Pentecost. I was raised in a, in a denominational church that didn't even believe in healing. And so she was running me to the doctor all the time, and we were paying for it. They was in the military, and it was free, and they didn't get to go. I mean, it's like, you are not sick. <laughs> 
Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So sometimes we accept those little things. You know, we're not taking the big ones, but we let the little things slide. You know, headaches. Are you, are you opposing headaches with everything in you? Or do you just take two aspirin? And, and there's not anything wrong with taking aspirin, but you still ought to stand up against it. You ought to stand up against it. Amen? And, and get on the offensive here. And get these little things driven out of our lives. I messed around. I messed around and, and didn't deal with some things in my life in concerning little things where healing is concerned, and it started to cost me because I didn't deal with them. And I'm telling you, I, 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 just, I, was, I was content to just chew my tums every night. Because, you know, tums, they're practically good for you. They say they give you calcium, you know. I mean, they're practically healthy. So I would just chew my tums every night, and I didn't deal with some things, and I should have dealt with them. And even I remember the Holy Ghost stirring me. And He was saying, Debbie, believe you receive on this. And I, and I remember saying, not now, Lord. I don't really understand healing yet. I'm not going to believe I receive. Because I didn't know how to believe I received totally. And, and, and so I didn't do it when I should have. And so it, cost, it was a bigger battle later because I didn't fight the little battle. I, didn't, take, I didn't, didn't deal with it when it was little. And then later, I had to deal with it. Praise God, I've dealt with it. I dealt with it now. I dealt with it. Amen. And I'm dealing with it ever I'm dealing with it every day. Amen. Only with my eyes will I see the reward of the wicked. Praise God. We have a covenant. But family, it's not going to come on us just being passive. You want what the enemies took from you, you're going to have to take it back. You're going to have to stomp on some pillows or any other thing the Holy Ghost tells you to do. You may have to run around this room. Amen. Praise God. You may walk and pray and walk and pray and walk and pray. Are you trying to move God? No. He moves the first time you pray. Who are you trying to move? Yourself. You're trying to move yourself out of the realm of unbelief and into the realm of believing. Amen. And you've got to fight till you win. You've got to pray till you win. You've got to stay in there. Stay in there until you win. And it's see, we get this mentality that we're trying to move God, and that's the wrong mentality. No, I'm trying to move me. Because I have these things from my childhood and from my upbringing that are rooted in me. Wrong ways of thinking. But see, by the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Ghost, every one of them can be uprooted. Amen. I'm telling you what, you just stay in this church. You just stick with us. And you won't be the same in a year. I promise you. You just stay steady. You just stay steady. Don't bail out. The enemy, you, now let me tell you something. The enemy's going to try everything he can to get you to bail out. He's going to try to get you offended. If he, won't, if he can't get you offended at the pastor, he'll get you offended in an usher. If he can't get you offended at usher, he'll get you offended at a children's minister. He'll try to offend you. Because see, not he wants you out. He wants you out from underneath the word of faith. Because he knows with the word of faith, you're dangerous to him. Praise God. I like being dangerous to the enemy. I like being dangerous. Praise God. So he's going to try things. 
He's going to tell you this church isn't friendly. He's going to tell you you need more fellowship. You know, honestly, we put the emphasis on the Word of God and not on fellowship. You can make your own fellowship here. But, you know, as far as us initiating it, that's not the case. We've put, the, we've put the emphasis over on the Word of God. But He will try anything and everything, and He's probably already tried some things on you. He, I mean, He'll have you... Your family will dig their heels in the ground. Hello. I know, because I dug mine in the ground for Him. When we were first stepping out and God was calling us out, we were going, we were going to a denominational church and, uh, and uh, we had heard wind. Actually, we had a real super, it was really supernaturally how we heard that they were starting a church, a faith church in Seminole, Texas. And that was 18 miles from where we lived. And, uh, and uh, the first Sunday was coming. And so my, we, we got it real excited. So we went that first Sunday. And it was real fun, but you know, the devil told me, and he really did. We met in the bank, and the devil told me, they all know each other. Y'all are the only ones that don't know anybody here. Well, you know that was a lie. I found out later that none of them knew each other. They, it, was, it was put together sovereignly by God. People came to, that, to the beginning of that church, and they did not know one another. You know, two or three of them knew each other, but the whole group did not know each other. And I was eight months pregnant. And you know, you just don't like going someplace for the first time when you're eight months pregnant. And uh, so I dug my heels in. And I began to resist him. And you know, and you know what he told me? He said, shut up. We're going till I hear from God. That's the only time I really think in our marriage he ever told me to shut up. But he said, shut up. We're going till I hear from God. And so I shut it up and we went. Till he heard from God. Amen. Praise God. I don't know how I got off on that. But, amen. Jesus won anyway. So here in, uh, where, where, where are we? What verse was I in? He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be, with a, be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. He said, after you've done all to stand, what are you supposed to do? Stand, therefore. You know, um, uh, that's not usually what we do after we've done all we know to do. Well, I've done all I know to do. I think I'll just keep standing. No, when we say, oh God, I have done all I know to do, uh, maybe we need to gather more facts. See, we don't often, a lot of times we put the emphasis on, instead of, we, we try to gather facts about our situation. Family, you don't need facts. You know, we, uh, we say, uh, having searched the medical books for all the symptoms and the complications, my advice to you is to throw your medical books away. And my advice to you is not to go look up the symptoms of what that are coming against you. Praise God. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. He doesn't say having done all of those things stand. No, he says having done all of this. We're fixing to find out what we're supposed to do instead of doing those things. Um, you know, maybe your situation's something else. Family, we're not supposed to start standing after we consult the lawyer. 
Amen? We're not supposed to start sanding after we surf the net and find out, you know, all the information we can off the internet about our situation. Amen? We're not supposed to start sanding after we've weighed the pros and cons. Because it's like we talked to, to Brother Snyder tonight. When what God asks you to do sometimes be very foolish to the natural man. But be wisdom in God. Amen? We're not supposed to stand after we take an opinion poll. It's real dangerous to ask other people's opinion. How many of you already found that out? Even people you love and people you trust, you better make sure that they are in faith before you take their opinion. And I'll tell you, you better, if you've got alarming symptoms against your body, don't, let me just tell you, your mama can't handle it, honey. Unless, I mean, you know, unless she's really a spiritual woman, and you know, even what you call spiritual, she may not can handle it, because you're her baby. I, I told Michael before, don't call the family. Don't call my family. Not because I don't love my family. But I know, I know they can't stand in faith. And you know, our natural emotions sometimes, it's like, oh, I wish I had somebody to talk to. I think I'll call. And so you call somebody in your family and then you find out, oh, that was the very most wrong thing I could have done. Oh, I tell yeah. Y'all know what I mean? And you go, oh dear, why do I, why do I keep thinking that that's going to work and it never does? Uh, we're looking here. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. God wants us to gird our loins, and He wants us not to gird them with facts, and not to gird them with information off the internet and not to gird them with information out of the medical encyclopedia. He wants you to gird your loins with truth. He wants you to get in the Word of God concerning your situation and gird your loins with truth about that situation. Amen? He doesn't even want you reading the book of Revelation. When you're fighting a battle of health in your body. Family, when you're fighting a battle with health or you're fighting a financial battle or you're, you're standing in faith for your children, forget the book of Revelation. That's not the season for it. Forget a lot of the books of the Bible and go and find the truth for your situation. And eat it day and night. Now that's simple. I want to tell you, I want to show you what I did, what I've done in my Bible. I didn't really plan this. It wasn't like God showed me, but I'm telling you, this has become very effective in my life, and I want to share it with you because it help, it'll help you. When I go to get in the Word every day, I don't just read the Word. Now, there are times when I just sit down and like read the book of 1 John, read the book of you know, read the book of Philippians. I, there are times that I do that. But on a daily basis, when I go to the Word, I go to, uh, to Scriptures throughout the Word that will build my faith. And i tell you what I do first. I always go to Proverbs chapter 4 first. 
I always go to Proverbs 4 and verse 20. Now, you, you have to be led by the Spirit, but I'm telling you, this is a good one to start with. And I always go to, and I read this out loud to myself. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thy sight, keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health, and that word also means medicine, to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And I thank the Lord right there that His word is life, health, and medicine to my flesh. And then, because the Holy Ghost told me this, for myself, and I, I think it would bear witness in any person's life, He said, Debbie, if you only have time for one thing, always use Psalm 91. If you don't have time for anything else, go to Psalm 91. Because you know there are mornings when you get up and the baby's crying already or, and the, uh, the, the repairman's already knocking on the door and there's all sorts of things already happening. We don't mean to, for that to be that way. I always mean to spend two hours with the Lord every morning. But somehow it doesn't always happen that way. Have you all ever noticed that? But, what, but even sometimes I have, we get ready and we have to be somewhere at a certain time and sometimes while we're in the car going, I turn over to Psalm 91 and I read Psalm 91. While we're driving to the where we're going, I read this to Michael. And we don't just read it, but we lay hold of it. We say, we say of the Lord, He is our refuge. He is our fortress. He is our God in Him will we trust. And we begin to say, we will not fear. And we begin to set our day and to set our faith that this is what we're going to believe today. Amen? And then, from there, supposing I have more time, I have taken a yellow marker and throughout my Word, my Bible, I have marked scriptures that are specifically healing, but also those that are financial and those that bring life and tell me that I am more than a conqueror. And that's the words that I focus on every day. And if I never get around to reading anything else... Now see, I've read... There was a season in my life, there were three years in a row where God said, read through the Bible in a year. And you know what? There was grace to do it and I read through the Bible in a year and I read the whole Bible three, three years. And... Uh, enjoyed it. It was a blessing. And I assumed I would do that every year for the rest of my life. But you know, I got to the fourth year and I could not read through the Bible in a year. No matter how I tried, I could not get it done. You know, and it had quit bringing life to do that. It brought life when it was under God's direction. And if you're reading through the Bible in a year, I praise God for it. And if there's grace to do it, you do it. And if you've never read through the Bible in a year, the Holy Ghost is going to lead you to do that at some point. Amen? But until that time, you need, to, uh, you need to find the Scriptures in the Bible and with yellow or pink or blue or something, you need to, to highlight them so that you can start. And here's what I do is I just open my Bible and some days I start in the front and some days I start in the back and some days I start in the middle because I want it to always be fresh to me. And I'll start and I'll turn to... For instance, if I start in the back, I'll turn to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. And I'll say, And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. And then I turn to the next one that brings me victory. And uh, Revelation chapter 1 says, And hath made us kings and priests unto God. And then I look at 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. And then I go to 1 John 4. It says... Um, 
He that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And then I look up at verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. And I just begin to go. page, And they're, they're, they're in yellow, so I know when I get to one. I just turn each page. And when I get to one, and I read it, and I read it. And you know what? After about 15 minutes of that, faith has just come up. Faith's risen up in your heart. All of a sudden, you're in faith. Amen? And if you just don't do it that way, family, if you just turn over here and say this morning you're reading over in um, you know, your daily Bible reading and you're over here today and you're reading in Zechariah. Well, now, Zechariah is a good book and there's some good scriptures in it. But family, you could read five chapters in Zechariah and no faith come. Hello. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Man, i got to have faith for today. If you're going to have faith, you've got to gird your loins with truth. Now, I can't tell you what scriptures to get for your situation because I don't know. You, Some of you are facing family situations. Some of you are facing health. Some of you are facing financial. You've got to find that you've got to gird your loins with truth. You've got to find them. Amen? But then you'd gird your loins with truth. If you don't have time for anything else, you can go to Psalm 91. I'm telling you what, it, it just shoots my faith up immediately. Hello. And it gives me confidence throughout the day that I'm walking in the secret place of the Most High God and that no evil can befall me. And then I'm not tempted to be fearful of evil all day. And let me get over into this while I'm there. And we're going to close with this and I'll, we'll finish up next week. But let me get over into this. And this is going to shock you, but you need to gird yourself with faith. You're going to have to gird yourself with truth so that you will quit praying demon-inspired prayers. The Holy Ghost said to me this morning, sitting on the front row, he said, that came up in my heart, that phrase, demon-inspired prayers. The church prays demon-inspired prayers. Let me give you an example of a demon-inspired prayer. You're driving down the road, and all of a sudden, you have a thought about your kids having a wreck. Okay? You have that thought. And so here, so you pray, let me tell you, you pray a prayer like this. Father, I just ask you to protect my kids. I pray they won't have a wreck today. You just prayed a demon-inspired prayer. Family, this is important. You just prayed a demon-inspired prayer because it was a demon spirit that spoke that to you. It wasn't God. It wasn't God. It wasn't God. He didn't speak to you that your kids are about to have a wreck. It was a demon, and when you, and you are, if when you pray like that, you're being led in your prayers by a demon spirit. See, we need to. When we hear a thought like that, we need to think about this. Now, where did that thought come from? It didn't come from God. I know it didn't come from God because you can turn over to Jeremiah. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. Let me tell you how you know it didn't come from God. Now, God taught me this. The Holy Ghost taught me this. Because I want to tell you, family, I've prayed a lot of demon-inspired prayers. Another way we could say that is fear-inspired prayers. Fear... Prayers inspired by fear. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, he says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace. Now, God's not giving you a thought that your kid's about to have a wreck because he just his thoughts are what? Thoughts of peace. 
And if you go on to read there, he said thoughts of peace and not of evil. His thoughts are not of evil. His thoughts are not of evil. But his thoughts are thoughts to give you an expected end. The NIV says to give you a future and a hope. I want to tell you something. When the thought comes your kid's about to have a wreck, it doesn't give you a future and a hope. It brings fear in your heart. And then you, when you respond to that prayer, to that thought, and you pray that demon-inspired prayer, and you say, Father God, I just, I just pray that my kids will not have a wreck today. You just picked up a red flag and waved it at the devil and said, I heard that. I took that thought and you gave him access. Now, when we have a thought like that that comes, we are supposed to cast those imaginations down and we are supposed to resist the devil. But here's what you can do. The thought comes, your kids are going to have a wreck. And you don't even blink an eye. You just drive along and you say, no weapon that is formed against me or my family will prosper. No weapon that is formed against us will prosper. My children are hid in the secret place of the Most High God. The angels have charge over my children. And you just keep going. See, you, you've, uh, you've resisted the thought, but you haven't, and you've cast it down, but you haven't begun to pray. See, we got to pray the Word. we got to gird our loins about with truth, and we got to pray the Word. we got to pray the Word. You say, Debbie, I don't know the Word enough to know what I should pray when something like that comes. Well, get in it. You don't need but one Scripture. You don't need, but really you don't need but one, but get you two or three. It'll make you feel better. Write them on a card if you have to. Tape them to your steering wheel. Tape them on the refrigerator. And start with two or three, and then get six, and then get nine, and four long. You know, and you know, it'd be better. It's better to have one scripture that's really down here in your heart, and you really believe it. Start with Psalm 91. Just start with Psalm 91. That's easy to remember. Keep your Bible with you in your car until you, uh, until you know what you need to know. I, I mean, when we first got filled with the Spirit, I took my Bible everywhere. Because I didn't know any Scripture and I thought, I'm, I, I might need this thing. Amen? And it's still a good idea. It's still a good idea to have your Bible with you. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. And speak the Word. See, those thoughts aren't coming from God. Those thoughts of defeat aren't coming from God. Those thoughts of death aren't coming from God. Amen? They're not coming from God. Praise God. I repented and asked the Lord to forgive me for all the fear-inspired prayers I had prayed. Because I will tell you, I've prayed a bunch of them. But family, we're going, we're, we're, God's pouring out revelation. We're learning. We're growing. We're growing. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to learn next week more about the armor of God.